0: It's Hollywood. What's up, y'all? It's Miles the Millennial, the millennial who's actually not a millennial, but technically still a millennial. And this is Millennials with a Mindset, the podcast where we tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Today, I have a major guest on the line. I told y'all I'm bringing people that's big money, big inspiration, big power to the table this year. 2021 has been a great year, and I'm excited to welcome the founder of AGP, a huge Atlanta real estate investor, Tiwa Works. He's here. Today, to speak to you guys, give y'all some advice and some insight, Tiwo, we're really glad to have you. Man, how are you doing? I'm good, Miles. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. No problem. No problem. So me and Tiwo have been following each other on Instagram for a few years now. He's All a right. good brother of Cap Alpha Psy, man. We've hey, had some know. great combos, you know? <laughs> so... Me and will we, we go back a little bit, but this is our first time really getting to the nitty gritty about himself and, and just right. learning about his experiences and trying to transfer some of that knowledge from his head into everybody that's listening. So I want to kick off the conversation, man. You've done some major things in real estate in Atlanta. I would love for you to kind of detail you know, what you have going on currently with your moves in real estate and your history with it.
1: Oh, yes. Thanks for that question. So um, my history of real estate actually stems from events it started with events and i think my background um coming out of college and running into an event company i i kind of just feel the demand because what had happened is that while doing these big events in atlanta our weekly upscale parties to week picnics all these things we started becoming a focal point for information people come to Mm -hmm. us and ask us hey we want to move to the city do you have a real estate agent and i think after about the third referral out we decided to create a real estate company Mm. and just understand that with this attention and also being that I'm um, um, also Nigerian, British-born Nigerian, and also an American, I'm touching a demographic that is very international. Mm. So we started playing this position where we're able to showcase Atlanta. And um, one of my, real, my my pages on our branding is actually called Buy Atlanta because we just wanted to showcase Atlanta being the hub of excellence, Black excellence in entrepreneurship and and with the fact that it's also a Delta hub of all these international flights around the world, people come here. So I just started building uh, a network of uh, investors and uh, purchasers that wanted to make Atlanta their home. And for a person like myself and my team, we understand and know Atlanta like the back of our hand and trying to let them understand people from New York that come to Atlanta, is that we have the best uh, price square footage as well as the biggest bank for your buck in the city. So we started um, pretty much encouraging a lot of international buyers to buy and um, start being a huge clientele and just letting them to invest in the city to understand that um, we're a growing city. We've done so, we have so much rich history here. It's the Black Hollywood of the South, all these yeah. great things that happen here. And there's a, a big international culture. So for us, we just looked at it as an opportunity to let people uh, understand that you know when you think of business, real estate is typically one of the top two three conversations that happen so we just position ourselves where we're able to be a resource for investors uh to take advantage of properties or buying land and buying developments and just and just being part of this real estate change in atlanta
0: man that's powerful and what i'm hearing from you is that you found a need you saw this specific niche that you could hit Yes. International buyers. You're Nigerian. You 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 have a very specific you know niche that you can reach out to, and you have a need that they really are looking to try and fulfill. So right. instead of you outsourcing that and getting all these other people these referrals, giving them right. all these other opportunities, why right. don't you become the system? You become the infrastructure around it, and then everybody wins. And you honestly eliminate the middleman. You become yeah.
1: that middleman and yeah, yeah, yes, and so the winners. Right. That's it. That's really all it is with business, you know, it's time to, Mm -hmm. and you know, when you understand a conglomerate structure, understanding business is that you don't want to leave money on the table. I'm one of those that Mm -hmm. I don't like to leave money on the table. I may give out some referrals, but after a while, I have to understand and study and understand that, okay, if this sector is doing so well and people and there's there's money flowing through it and there's a lot of um, enterprise happening, we need to figure out and have a play. And, yeah. you know, my background, my mentality, I've never, I've never been one person that's one track minded where I feel like I need to just have one business and be content. Like I'm a one business owner. No, I have about 11 businesses that wow. is because I just have these different niches. Yeah. And it's it, again, it's like you mentioned, is a system. I have the system in place that we can build and do a pipeline. So now when we talk real estate to anyone, we know there's a pipeline of direct uh, inflow of cash and, and, and opportunities and prospects. So we don't want to leave money on the table um, when we do anything business wise,
0: especially yeah. most- That's smart because you basically are outsourcing to yourself. That right. there's a term in business and you know it I already know, but I want to say it to the people listening called vertical integration. And when you're vertically integrated, that means every single thing in your production, from, from your manufacturing to your production, getting your stuff to your customers, the tables that they sit at, everything. When you're vertically integrated, all of that flows through a subsidiary that you own. So it's like paying yourself for the things that you were already going to pay somebody else for. And then on top of that, you end up creating a line of business, a service line, if you will, where other people then can come to you and say, hey, we like, you know, who are, who do you use for this? You know, we love the way you do this. It's like I use myself and I can do it for you too, you know, and then you create these opportunities where you can just grow everybody else while growing yourself rather than having to push all this money towards somebody else i remember nipsey saying that in a song he said i'm integrated vertically y'all niggas blew it and that's a fact you know so many people right. want to go outside and let other people do the work for them where it's like if you just put in a little bit extra time a little bit extra effort a little bit extra money it'll pay right. you off in the long term you'll have control all
1: of that Bam. you hit it right on the head that's that's the whole purpose and you know, um, Many entrepreneurs would tell you that the average entrepreneur has seven different streams of income. Mm-hmm. So it's like for you to really understand. And again, if it's what is your end goal as a person and as an uh, as an entrepreneur or a business person, is that you want these revenue sources to come in. So if you can create that pipeline and be vertically integrated into what we're doing, like I said, we market the biggest thing that we spend the biggest advertising on throughout the year is the Greek picnic. Is the yep. highest spend on advertising and we're scanning all this blueprint. And and if people kind of watch and go back a bit, you will notice that the real estate company sponsored quote unquote, AGP, Hmm. you know what I mean? And all we did is we placed us in the pipeline saying, hey, you know, we have these posts because again, it's our company. So we want people to know like, hey, if you're looking to move to Atlanta, see or follow by Atlanta's real estate page. So buy Atlanta and then Greeks would now say, oh, well, I'm interested in buying a property. I'm in the market. Who do we need to talk to? That comes right back directly to us. <laughs> so we create these channels and just flow. And that's sometimes hard. if it's a situation where it's it's beyond us or it's something that's really big, either we'll try to work our, our way in to do a piece of it or we'll refer it out. Like we yep. won't try to force things that we're not experts in, you know.
0: That's powerful. You created your own like leads just by having people that came into the Greek picnic, it's like you hold the 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 pool. And then from there is your decision on what you want to do with it. Um, and, and, And something that you said there about the streams of income, I think something that a lot of people who are just getting started in business or maybe don't understand business, one of the areas that they struggle with when they hear streams of income is they think that these streams of income have to be completely separate industries. And I don't think they understand that a stream of income just means, you know, a line of cash flow that's coming in from a, a, it doesn't even have to be a completely different source, just some different sector of what you're doing. Right. So right. if you're doing real estate, you could have four different strings of income just in real estate. You could right. be wholesaling, you could be flipping, you could be doing rental properties, you know, all different types of Consulting. things. Consulting, Consulting. Consulting. exactly. Right. Yeah. All that is under real estate, but there are four different streams of income. And I think, what people have to realize is find what it is that you want to do. And when you find what it is that you want to do, if it's multiple things, then great. If it's one main thing that you want to do, for example, if we want to talk about, you know, I always bring up the example of Nipsey because he's just a great example of it. He wants to be a a rapper, but he knew that there was so much more he could accomplish with it. So he said, well, I'm going to build the brand around it. I'm going to build the production around it. I'm going to build the, the, all the manufacturing and cost and shipment and the logistics around it, I'm going to control every aspect. That way I can build different streams of income. It makes you powerful and it also puts you in a place where when things like a pandemic comes in and you can't necessarily hold AGP, you still have other areas that can support you and you're not out on the streets now because your main source of income is gone.
1: Correct. Very true. And, uh, and the pandemic is a true testament into people being uh, either thoroughly prepared, or you know, you need that hard reset. And I and mm. I mentioned the other day on my Instagram, just telling people sometimes like you have to. I look at the pandemic, despite the negative things of people dying and and you know, kind of like the hardship, but like for me and my team is that this was our first year off of the Greek Picklet. Mm. in 15 years. You know, I've been doing this straight out of college, and understanding that um, not having to host a Greek picnic for one summer. We found a little bit of a joy, even though we miss it. You know, yep. we enjoy the whole getting up early and working and preparing for thousands of people. But we were able to take a break and take a couple of steps back to really reassess Greek picnic going forward. You know, and mm. I think for me, when I started, it was I always realized, you know, every five years we see a turnaround of, of a Greek audience, of the group that comes. And we're going into our quote I call it our third trimester. We're going to this yeah. third year and understanding that we were going to have this change after we did our 15th year anniversary and the pandemic hit. And that let me really sit back and realize that, okay, what else, like you said, these other streams of revenue, like now we're rebranding we like an AGP top to bottom. What, what can we do to leverage the platform bigger than mm-hmm. what we've been doing? It's like now opening up, Like we potentially have our own future podcast coming. We, we have a writer circle. We want to talk to more lawyers and things that I want to discuss. Uh, injury cases, they want to give free consultation because, again, it becomes a lead source advertising exactly. generation where it's information they're giving. So maybe on Tuesday night, there's a schedule. A lawyer is going to come up and talk hmm. about an hour about the, the industry. Yeah. So uh, um, the pandemic, you know, indirectly was also a blessing. You know, it's it's got a lot of hardships and, and issues. But for us, we were able to kind of find the, the positive from that um, disrupt, disruption.
0: And that's powerful because what you're what you're recognizing is as a business owner, as an organization, no matter what, you have to be able to take those steps back in the midst of things to be able to assess where you're strong, where you're weak, where your opportunities are and how you can grow. That's how you set yourself up for long term, you know, lasting these companies that have been around for 50, 60, 100 years. They're not doing the exact same thing they did in the 1920s. They've learned to adapt. Now, they can keep culture, of course, but you have to understand. how society shifts you have to understand how needs shift and if you try to be the one that's trying to stick so much to your roots that you're not open to change you're going to be the one that loses and you're going to be left behind
1: yeah miles i'll tell you something that's funny um you know again when i assess every year so one one personal philosophy that i have with every business is every year when we do a turnaround i always look at it and try to understand that you know i treat every year like it's a new year so Mm -hmm. when we did whatever happened the last 15 years or last year that is what happened because that scenario may never repeat itself. Granted, yeah. now we have the experience. It's like, but every single year, and, I, and people on my team will tell you, like, I still get the jitters every year. Like, damn, are people gonna show up? What if nobody buys tickets? And one of yeah. um, <laughs> our, our head um, partners, Abdul, every time we have a conversation every year around May, he's like, don't worry, people are buying. Don't trust me, it's gonna happen. <laughs> but I still have, I'm still yeah. nervous. Yeah. Like, are people going to buy into Greek Picnic? But you need to have that kind of nervousness to really set you down because hmm. people get comfortable assuming that, yeah, we, we, you know, we're the biggest, we're the best and people are going to show up. No, 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 no. We turn over every stone. So for me, understanding that, like you said, is not so much about the roots because what we did in '04 does not apply in 2019. Yeah. Does it doesn't. It's a, like I said, it's three different types of generations. So for us is taking that kind of approach. Is what makes AGP successful. Is mm-hmm. what makes our team successful because we're never underestimating like what we've done, but we're also learning to understand that anybody can fall. But <laughs> we make sure we make sure we do not trip over ourselves. It's not because of people. Like the signs are there. If mm-hmm. you watch, it's almost like we stopped doing the step show two years, two three years ago. Yeah, because there was a decline. One, we're spending way too much money and advertising. In an event that was not drawing the audience. Yeah. Why? Because the new generation of Greeks Doesn't are not into stepping. Yeah. So if we if we and, and the last year we did it, I mean we dropped we gave 20,000, we booked plows. we did all these big we still have a big turnout. But I had to tell my team like, yo, we have to move with the times. Hmm. This audience does not step. And not that it cannot come back again. Yeah. But we have to be able to understand and read our audience and give them what they want. The minute we did that flip, we took off again.
0: Yeah. Did the stroll off instead of the step show.
1: Right. Right. So Friday, I mean, it's funny because even Friday going forward, Friday has now become a very big staple for planning for us. So once we get back to, you know, AGP season, like Friday night is going to be insane going
0: forward. I'm already knowing that that's amazing because that's that's real insight and so many people can relate to this but they've probably recognized it but didn't understand what the business process behind that decision was and and it's so obvious like if you open your eyes and you think about it it's like the culture has changed, and they have to adapt if they want to stay alive. And that's right. what every single organization has to do. That's what you have to do in your own personal life. You can't be stuck on what happened last year, the the, the seasons, the good, the bad. You that's have to focus changing. on what is here, what's going forward. Look right. forward and, and keep your mind focused on that. The past, it can only do so much. It can maybe show you what not to do, but it can't tell you what to do. You, right. Only you can figure that out if you're focused. Right. Well and said. And I want to use this this as a good transition into AGP. I really want to hear what gave you the idea in the first place to establish what is now the premier number one you know, event every single year for people in black Greek letter organizations to come together, have a good time to network. What gave you that mindset and, and how did it, you come about building it to where now it's this huge nationwide thing that everybody comes to?
1: Man, Miles, I mean, the story of me and Greek life and just AGP is so amazing. Each time I tell the story, because again, like I mentioned, I'm Nigerian. I was born in England to Nigerian parents. When I moved here, um, my senior year of high school, I I was in boarding school in England. Like I, I came up in a very Catholic, all boys boarding school. So coming to America, literally coming to America, I had no... You know, I didn't know what Black, Week led organizations were. I didn't mm-hmm. understand it. I mean, I knew you know, Martin Luther King was in a, in a fraternity, but I didn't understand it till I really got to my freshman year in college. And I ended up, so again, I'm a British-born Nigerian who has lived in England, who's lived in uh, um, uh, Nigeria, and now moving to Atlanta. <laughs> and I've lived in these big metropolitan cities of 20, 30 million people. Yeah. I ended up in America's Georgia, which is probably the countryest part of South <laughs> Georgia ever. Yeah, But, um, you know, I think the great thing about me and just life is I learned to adapt in any situation I'm in. Mm. And it's funny because most people would, would, you know, coming from a big city like Atlanta, I wanted to go to Georgia state. That's where I was. I've dreamed of going, but I ended up in three hours South of Georgia. And, um, I took it with in stride because I understood that, you know, I make the situation doesn't make me, I make the most of the situation. And when I was there, I got exposed to, you know, black week life. And because a lot of the orientation team members were, couldn't wear letters, but by the first day of school classes, I saw, you know, the alphas, I saw the cappers, I saw the cues, and it was interesting. And just coincidentally, I was cool with a lot of the cappers. And over time, um, I made my decision that I wanted to be a member. And that's that story is so funny because I, I they laughed at me when I, I told them I wanted to be a member. <laughs> they cried like my pro fights were like, No, nah, you never nah. <laughs> and, You know, once I finally probated, it it was you know, my camp I was so social, my campus loved I mean, they loved it. I mean, you know, my generation, yeah. we didn't have balloons, nobody knew who was online on yeah. until now to probate. So it was really a show. How to blast? Loved every moment of it. Like I took like look. If they could do a different world in twenty in the twentieth century, I will be on a different world. Yeah, I took that college experience and I ran with it. Yeah, and um, so my exposure to Greek life and and understanding, um, like coming to the, 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 the level of Greek picnic is um, you know, our chapter we're big on road trips. Once she once mm. you come in as a neo, Gotta our chapter, go. our tell us. You have got to road trip. You've yep. got to go and build your name. We've done our part. We're passing the torch to you. Mm. So I remember we ended up going to Kapalua down in um, Tallahassee. Oh
0: man, I Kapalua. heard about Kapalua.
1: You know, I was <laughs> fresh at the sands. Me and my, my <laughs> line brothers, we rented a truck, a minivan. We drove down there. Kapalua was amazing. Shout out to Alpha Z noobs. And yeah. um, you know, exposed to that. And it was just amazing to see so many Black people come together from all over the country i mean you have football players they had performances they had free beer and it stuck in my mind because i went two years so by the time i gradu i graduated college in 04 by the time i graduated um i came home fresh young and and and, and to give you no actually before i graduated i actually was throwing parties for the frat hmm. we got a little trouble when, you know me and my line brother decided to run our own enterprise. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I already know. I already know. So, you know, we were the face of the frat and, you know, we created our own company. And this was the first access to really doing business by ourselves. Mm. And we, you know, we said, well, let's continue this business of hosting events. We threw our first party and my line brother and I made $800 a piece while DJing. I mean, after a 50 split with the club, I mean, this was a lot of cash back then. Yeah. And me, my mind was like, yo, we can make this in one night. I know we can do triple this in a night going forward. Mm-hmm. Homecoming came around, we planned out the whole homecoming. <laughs> me and my line brother walked out with $10,000, almost $10,000 a piece in Man. one night, partying, drinking, so my mind... But, you know, outside of the partying, I was on the business side, yeah. understanding the, the business of entertainment. Like, people, especially in college, love to be entertained and yeah. we gave this access for you to get away from school and just have a good time. And we monetized this. So when I came home, continued it. I mean, I never, I'll be honest. I graduated. I got my, my degree is actually right here and I've never used it. Never used so it. So my mindset was really on how to literally generate revenue from building a need for people. If people want to have a good time, how can we monetize this? And I was able to do that very efficiently. And the summer before I came up with the idea of Gree Picnic on the campus of Morris Brown, shout out to the BD News. They showed love. And um, you know, the, the president was uh, our province Mark. We put the plan together.
0: Oh, that's perfect.
1: <laughs> and it took off. I mean, the security team worked at the clubs where I worked, put the police officer from back then is still the same police officer till today. Wow. So we built this relationship. And AGP literally took off and really wasn't until like um, 09-10 that AGP just peaked Went to another level. I mean, I'm talking to people on a Wednesday, yo, where are you from? Oh, we came in from Chicago. What? (laughs) And then, so for me, I really understood that. And also, I, I think the biggest thing I learned was understanding the history of festivals. You know, because again, it's not just a party anymore. Like now we're responsible for people traveling from all around the country. Like festival business is a big multi-billion dollar industry. Hmm. And here we are in the, you know, Black capital, Hollywood of the South, and understanding that the freaknicks didn't make it for a reason. Why didn't freaknicks make it? Why didn't the um, Philly Greek make it? Why didn't Daytona be... Why did these Black events never make it? So I studied them. I understood that they was never controlled. Or I guess they didn't really... I don't want to say they didn't have a vision but I feel like it was never controlled from the start and that became that, you know, they felt to their detriment. So we just decided, yo, from day one, we have got to keep this integrity of AGP up. We're not playing around with anybody that just comes to look to disrupt. So that's why when you come to AGP, there's an overwhelming police presence. Like we do not play. yeah, Because we don't want a situation where people are getting shot, somebody died, no. And we're proud to say in 15 years, we've never had any of those issues. So. You know, AGP just became this big cultural thing. I mean, we took the branding very seriously. We took our image, our presence, and kind of like how we understand uh, um, integrating ourselves into modern day culture and being part of the culture. So, when Greeks around the country, no matter how old you are, if you crossed as an in a, in a um, undergrad chapter, or you crossed an alumni chapter. The first thing in your mind that summer we're going to AGP. We're going to AGP. We're going to AGP. And, and, you know, my team is at uh, 50 people. I love my team to death. Like we come together. We're like family. We've got some people that have been with us from day one. Hmm. Some have joined in as, you know, they year two after they've crossed they want to be behind the scenes. So for us, like, you know, it's a real, anybody that doesn't really understand AGP is a full-fledged business, marketing, promotions, branding, and entertainment. Like we literally Take almost a year to plan out what is going to be that whole weekend. It's one week wow. of 17 events, you know, to really entertain you. And we walk and plan this thing out. Like we go through all these crazy scenarios for people to make sure, like, one, you're safe. Like we are very big on safety, 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 safety. And then two, the experience. Like we have um, our tagline is creating memories that last a lifetime. That's what ADP is about so so uh, like i mentioned earlier post pandemic now is like we have now pivoted to how we can make agp bigger than what we're doing i mean we have also partnerships in other cities that we're working on and just wanting to put ourselves in a position where we can stand the test of time we're not just going to be here for and i think we've broken that because most events don't make it beyond two to five years yeah and for us to go for 15 strong summers um we're just getting started i mean we're going to definitely do excuse me so much more and wanting to just continue to be that epitome of Greek excellence and uh, entertainment. That's
0: amazing, man. That that's one of the best stories I've heard on this podcast, and and that's incredible. About,
1: like the story, <laughs> the story of AGP I mean, is is funny, man. It's amazing. I just and I love it. I so love AGP
0: that and and see just just hearing the way you talked about it the way you took something that you were doing in college it reminds me of so many people who have this spirit and this creativity in them especially when you're young you have this creativity and I feel like what happens is people lose sight of this as they get older they right. they you have more responsibilities everybody's right. in your ear telling you you got to grow up you got to do this you got to grow up you got to do that and right. people start to walk away from the very path that made them happiest oh, from yeah. the get ready and 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 it's it's the fact that you were able to stick to that what made you stick to it how did you get it because i don't know if you faced it but i wouldn't be surprised if you had people that told you man you know why don't you just go get you a job with your degree like you did all this how did you stay the course throughout all that
1: bro so you know i i remember when my my you know entrepreneurship light went off again i was in my I, i graduated degree in cis computer information systems and I hated my major. I don't even know why mm-hmm. I chose that major. Actually, because my dad owned a computer company, so I was trying to follow the path of my Got father. You. But you know, my father's company was in another country. I'm in here in South Georgia, mm-hmm. and I'm doing programming, and I hated programming. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'll be honest. I at some point I started paying people in India to do my homework because <laughs> I was like, yo, I just said, I don't yo, bro, care. <laughs> just 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 make sure I get like a 92. I don't need this to be perfect because the whole class is not going to get it right. So. Exactly. But I just realized that, you know, like you said, it's like what I started thinking when I started getting close to my junior year, in two years, I'm going to graduate. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? Am I going to work for IBM or Microsoft and be a program? What am I going to do? And I realized that I don't want to work a corporate job. Like It just was not in my blood. I'm My personality and just what I feel like I have to offer the world and be part of is not for me. I just mm-hmm. did not want to be cooked up in a... Uh, office space, working in a cubicle on on a um, weekly paycheck. Yeah. It just and especially, you know. And I think again, what really reinforced it was when we, um, me and my line brother D Farley, started throwing these parties, and I started getting a taste of money from having so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm DJing, I'm promoting this event. I mean, I had to. I learned to DJ to save money, <laughs> and I'm having so much fun enjoying this. And I just realized that you know what, if this is what I'm supposed to do right now. I mean, I'll say I'm going to do this forever, but I need the biggest thing I need to realize that I need to make money. Mm-hmm. And if I can control my revenue and I'm making this cash right now and I can do this for the entire year and I calculate whether I do this for you and I can make $100,000, I'm good. Nobody's yeah. going to be mad at that. Nobody's going to be yeah. mad at how did you make your money? Yeah. And I remember when I met my business banker, Maurice Wiggs at Wells Fargo, and you know I was still on the mindset of, Oh, I make this money. I'm putting it on the and putting in a, in a shoebox under my bed. <laughs> and he was like, "Why are you doing that? You know, I'm worried." I said, "Because you know the government." He says, "Bro, stop it. Yeah." Stop it. I said, "He said why?" He said, "You you made it legally. Put the money in the bank. It's legal. Did you do anything illegal?" Yeah. No. So why are you scared? He said, "Plus, man, no, the the IRS is not looking out for you. Like yeah. you're not moving hundreds of millions of dollars illegally. Exactly. So, just just so he broke the stigma, and I think from that." the understanding and getting educated on how money works mm. and how to leverage the banking institutions and how to leverage relationships with like, like my bank and now my business bank is one of my closest friends mm. to build and understand that relationship. Because then, then that just opened the floodgates and took us to the next level. And, um, for me and, you know, just being very fearless. And I think just overall, I just never, took a step back and understanding, I want to do this in life. I want to build an entertainment company, a marketing company, and understanding how to network with people. And I learned this in college. So if anyone's listening who's still in college, that's the perfect playground to learn everything. (laughs) I mean, I tell you this, there's reasons why you have all these organizations on the yard. I was a member of Students in Free Enterprise. I was on a photography um, student newspaper. I was, I hope, I held many positions in CAPA. I ran... Uh, this organization, um, Saab Brotherhood, like everybody who became, before you went Greek, you joined Saab. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I mean? We have so organizations just like that. I, I took advantage of being in these leadership roles on campus mm. on and that expense, you know, and then understanding how to run these businesses. So by the time I started doing things on my own, I was willing to take risks. Like people, and I can tell you this, Miles, one of the biggest risks I took in college was when it was homecoming. We needed something to stand out from everyone. Everybody did radio. Mm. Everybody will flood the radio. But I was like, how many times do you and I listen to radio? Yeah. I said, like, we don't have a car. So <laughs> what are we, what, what we going to do? So I, I now told him, I bro, we need to take a step into something new. And he said, what it was. I said, well, I've been watching TV and I see these um, local stages are asking to come buy ads. So let's go talk to them and see how much a TV ad is going to cost. And he was like, nah, it's going to be too expensive. I said, bro, let's just go ask. Let's ask first and see. I remember where I was. It was on, um, Carla Morris with on media still know her name. She mm-hmm. was like, I said, yeah, we want to run some ads. You know, how, how long are the ads? She's like 30 seconds. I said, um, so how much is it per ad? She said it's $3 a spot. I said, is there a minimum? She said, no. I said, what's the radio? She said it hits about a 45 mile radius. Mm-hmm. I looked at my line, brother, like $300 an ad. So for if I real. give you 300 bucks, I'm going to run a hundred ads for 30 seconds a piece. Yeah. She said, yes, just do it in this format. Give it to me on Monday. We'll run it by Tuesday. We flooded the, the, <laughs> the TV waves on BET. That's when BET was popping. We flooded the TV waves with, radio, with TV ads like the whole city thought the country. <laughs> so by the time we did homecoming, like I said, he and I walked out of there almost ten thousand dollars a piece. I mean, unheard of wow. in South Georgia. Yeah. So we I understood how to take calculated risks, mm. how to research, how to make sure like the ideas and things that were coming through. We don't, you know, fear is not fear kind of limits you completely. And like I said, my line brother had a little bit of fear, but I was that back in support to say, no, 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 let's try it. And we hit, we you know, we took a risk and we won big. So mm. for me overall, I think my journey in entrepreneurship coming out of college is really being very open-minded and taking an opportunity. I think in this generation we're living now, we're so we have so much information. There's nothing you cannot find without Googling. Somebody's done a podcast or somebody's done a YouTube video telling you exactly how to do is literally an open book test. Yeah. Copy it. No need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Boom. There's no Boom. need, you know? So for me, I just, have always held that same principle, even in real estate, I don't need to reinvent the wheel somebody has given the blueprint somebody talks about it and then that's right now when you what do you invest your time with i invest my time in these conferences in these podcasts and listening to people who are 10 times 100 times more successful than i am and and sometimes one thing i learned also is you may have listened to this podcast maybe 10 times but there's at the certain moment you will listen to this exact podcast and you will find a nugget that's meant to get to you at that very moment you know like i've listened I've listened to so one of my foundational resources is Jim Rohn. He's one of my biggest mentors. Jim Rohn, America's foremost philosophers, and um, I don't know him personally, but it doesn't yeah. mean I can't claim I was my mentor. Yeah, and Jim Rohn has been like my parents exposed me to him when I was about 16. Mm. So I've had him as a resource in just my mindset of thinking, my attitude towards winning, my attitude towards what failure is, and understand even if you do fall, you get back up and you yeah. keep going. You know, how do you have a mentality towards business and success and an attitude of winning? So I was able to just I mean, we take all that and put it together into a poll. I mean, you are talking about a recipe for success and, you know, not I'm not necessarily bragging, but I just feel I'm very confident in everything that I've done and potentially do. So when I'm coming up with a new concept, you know, I'm not coming up because I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm just going to do it. No, I've I've thought it through. I've seen the pipelines, I've understood the the schematics, I've done my research, I've listened to things, you know, I'm working on a lot of new projects and, you know, a lot of it is just deep research and we're building our own direction.
0: That's amazing. And the biggest thing that I want to pull out of what you said, there's a couple of things you said. You said a lot there that was really good. One of them was the fact that like, college students listening to this, this, the biggest lesson, I just had this conversation with a younger friend of mine who's in school, and he was talking to me about his business degree and all this stuff, and I told him, he was talking about business. I said, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I have a business degree, and that business degree didn't teach me anything about actually running a business. Right. The only way you learn how to run a business is when you're running a business. Right. I said, "What you, the best thing you can do with your time in school right now, get your degree, make sure you learn, but the best thing you can do right now is learn how to network and build a brand. Yes. those two things you do those two things everybody at that school when they think of your name should have a, a, a image or a, a personality trait something associated with right. it when they hear your name when they hear miles they should think oh yeah he, he's about his business you know what right. i'm saying he's stand right. up he this when they hear t with anything yo he's always he knows how to hustle he's extremely intelligent whatever it is don't let it be confined to what you made on a test oh he's really smart in the classroom let right. it be who you are and where you want to be you do that, it'll open up way more doors and get you through so many other situations. And it's funny because once you establish that that network and establish that brand, people almost open opportunities up to you. I'm or playing. when you do have something that you want to do, it's like, wait, I know somebody. Or I know somebody who knows somebody that can get me there.
1: Yes. So and that's, that's, that's amazing. That's been, yo, bro, I tell you this, man. College was the perfect opportunity to network. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still friends with people I went to high school with. I'm still friends with people I went to Boarding school with, yeah, till today, yeah. I was 12 years old in boarding school, I'm still <laughs> friends with many of them, yeah. And you know, I've been to his wedding in Costa Rica, another one lives in Spain, another one lives in England. That's the power of networking, and I think people should definitely be open minded to understand. You know, and it's funny because I'm actually writing an ebook on how to network, how mm. to network. I'm writing an ebook in detail, smart with a network because I realized that is the most important thing of anybody that's building a personal brand. A business or anything. If you do not have a network, you yep. do not have access to the world. You don't. Yep. Because you can't, I can, look, if I need to, if, when I travel to other countries, if I need to reach somebody in that, in that government, in that position, I have one person I can call.
0: Yeah, I will reach
1: them. So understanding that always on knowing that, you know, as you grow up in life, have your, your, your physical or your mental deck with people you built relationship with. And it has to be genuine, sincere relationship. HDP, yeah. I will always tell you, at the beginning was built on relationship it wasn't built because we had a database of a hundred thousand greeks yeah. no it was personal relationships hey bro i want you to invite you up hey miss lady i know you don't know me i'm hosting this event i'd love for you to come out bring your sorority sisters before you know it they bring their chapter sisters they've been bringing 10 lines and 10 generations keep coming Oh, yep. this like alpha pi will come out zeta yeah. uh zeta pi will come out zi will come out <laughs> relationship yeah and then you know it's ingrained in them like yo you've got to go to this event you've got to go to this business and you build again i think the biggest thing i always try to make sure that we have is integrity mm-hmm. you know i can say like with agp if i tell you that we've been flawless no it's not true we've never been flawless but i we do have integrity I and mean, when there's issues with people that have even this past year with the pandemic we sold tickets yes but we have a, a policy where it's no refund because of anything may happen however we also notified them that we cannot issue refunds because of this pandemic. However, and we've not—I'm going to actually release this on your podcast—is we've also told them that look, we're going to tell them, everybody who bought a ticket that they get to use it last year, when you come to the next AGP, yeah. you're automatically upgraded to VIP. Wow, automatically upgraded. So you know, and I told a couple. We've told a couple of people. So that's, again, is our integrity. We're not just taking your money and running the $20 ticket. No, you know, things happen. And it's it's not like it's our fault, but we want people to understand the integrity of us is more important than any revenue. Exactly. Our integrity.
0: You holding them to that standard, but at the same time, you're holding yourself to a standard. It creates a culture. It creates a bond. It creates a relationship, like you said. And, And once you have that... You can hold on to people as customers, as supporters. You know, they that's the thing. They transfer from being customers to being supporters. Yeah. Supporters are emotionally bought in on something. Yes. And that's more powerful than any level of marketing you can do. It doesn't matter, you cannot advertise next year, and the people that truly support you will find a way to make yes. sure they're there. And and that's a huge thing. And so before we wrap up, I want to do one more thing. I want to ask you one more question.
1: Sure.
0: Before we get off of this call, what is your advice? to young adults today, between the ages of 18 to 25, if you could tell them one to two things, either that you wish you would have known, or just that you really think they need to hear, what would you tell
1: them? So the first thing definitely I would tell you is work on personal development. You know, you as a person are the most important thing first in anything you're doing. Forget money, forget fame, forget popularity. Work on you first as a person. Develop yourself as a person because that Counts, And that's why I was, free, I was just preaching on integrity because mm-hmm. I hold myself to high standards of integrity. I hold myself to a high moral capacity to make sure that when I step out, I'm representing not just myself. I'm representing my companies. I'm representing my family. And my integrity is much more valuable than any amount of money I've made in my life. So I think when people can get in the mindset that your, your, your personal self is worth so much more than any dollar amount, you get to move in spaces that money cannot buy. Who cannot take you? You get to move into spaces that where your 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 personal being opens the door. You know. Wow. Right now, I've been in spaces of people just because of what I have done and said, not because I need to make a quick dollar. I mean, it's t- I've seen people like screw people over for money. I've got yeah. screwed over for money, but yeah. I would never do that to this next person because of money. I would let. I've told people you can keep the money. Yeah keep the money because it's not worth it for me yeah and i think that there's the most important work on your personal self develop yourself read help books find things on how to win friends and influence people read stuff on developing your mind how do you build yourself as a brand how do you build your personal your spiritual self all these things make who you are as miles as T was anybody else that's listening. Once you put all these things together, you stand out. I mean people can you know when people say I, I can feel their spirit? That's what your spirit is. It's your whole character. Wow. And if you don't have that, I promise you people that can sense spirits, we're like, nah, we ain't fucking him. Yeah, something yeah. off. Yeah. They know. You know something's off. People can people sense that. So I always say work on that personal self first. And the second part is um Definitely be, be fearless. I think in this life, I think a lot of us go into things of the unknown and we're scared and it's perfectly okay to be scared of things you don't know. Because when we, you know, we think of your first maybe 18, 20 years of life, it's kind of controlled. Yes. Always somebody regimenting and telling you the way to go. You're going from, from daycare to elementary, to pre-K, to elementary, to middle school, to high school, to college. Mm -hmm. You're guided. But well, now when you're getting to like the end of college and now you're thinking, well, do I go back to school again? Because you're scared of what does the future hold for me? Man. You have to be able to have that faith. And again, like I said, for me, I'm just blessed that I've been given, you know, and I think my parents and my family, my support system, have given me the tools early on in life that when I found myself in college, I was at the edge where I did not was not scared to take a step. I was not scared to jump and open my parachute. You know, because I was confident in who I was and I knew myself because I've been building my personal being and integrity for years. So when I now said, I'm going to go out on a limb into something that I've never done before. I didn't go to school for it. I didn't, I didn't spend four years taking a degree. I didn't major in it. And I've built something that has stood the time for almost 15 years. And it's not, and the AGP is one of, I said, I've got like 11 businesses. AGP is, is the biggest one that people, the Greeks know. I have stuff in other countries yeah. so that personal being fearless having that spiritual backing and understanding like you know the purpose you serve in this life where are you going what are you doing and what is your end goal and i always say think of the end in mind and work backwards Work. You know, i just talked about end, this you know think of the end in mind and work backwards so hmm. when you have this kind of you know level of of all these things i've said together so you got to bundle it to yourself or who you are fam you are unstoppable you move yeah. in circles and you're confident you could be in a space with the mayor and you can have a great conversation and guess mm. what she's a delta your capital <laughs> you connect and i yeah. promise god these things happen to me all over the country the I sit on a flight with a gentleman for the next four hours traveling somewhere before you know we have a good conversation next thing you know you know he does something and i oh you are new <laughs> you no know, here's my yeah. number call me directly same thing with other Greeks, or oh, I know who you are. I just wanted to have a, a very on um, tapered relationship. So that fear factor, you know, like I said, fear is false evidence appearing real. Hmm. We have to be able to kind of minimize fear. It's okay to be scared. It's human nature to be scared of the unknown. But when you can minimize your fears, your opportunity, and you build on faith, you're gonna fly. I mean, you're gonna fly to such great heights of success. And be, you know, don't be scared to take a loss. We need to lose because if you don't lose, you cannot win. Yeah. I can tell you this there's sometimes AGP is lost, but nobody knows because yeah. we win so much. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, <laughs> I just want anybody listening. Like those are the two things I'll tell anybody like really develop yourselves and continue to build on that. Like it's it's a it's an everyday process, it's not you build yourself on well, I read this book on Monday and I'm gonna chill for snack. It's every day, yeah. And it's bit by bit you find a book or you listen to a podcast. I tell you that sometimes in my office I'm just listening I put a, I find Jim Rohn or Tony Robbins or Les Brown or even Eric Thomas and just listen just listen to what they're saying and let it resonate because you start to find these little gems and nuggets that again I might have listened to Eric Thomas 50 times in the past but when I listen to him that day there's a message that's meant it's like church for that moment for that, that moment. moment it hits you so hard like it just oh you get up like oh my god I like, don't <laughs> that was it so I would, it's like church, you know, sometimes you may not have been in church for six months, but that one day you go, that message is like the pastor's talking to you. They're hmm. talking directly to you. So that's the same thing with life. You have to be able to understand that we're living in this world as spiritual beings and, and, and things that happen to us, not they happen at us or, you know, against us. It's yeah. happening to us for a reason. There's a journey. This is a journey of, a, you know, of life. And we that's want amazing. to go through the journey you know, and, and, and understand that we're going to fail, we're going to fall, but we are all resilient people that we have to get, especially black people. I wanna speak yeah. to us first and foremost, black people globally, we're so resilient that we've had so many trials and tribulations, you know, because you failed at a little business doesn't mean it's the end. Yeah. That wasn't it. And I'll tell you this, there's times I failed at stuff, fam, this book is my idea book. I write everything. Sometimes things are not meant to be at that moment. But I come back to it when it's that moment to do it or develop it. You know, yeah. you have ideas that, you know, it's like cooking a crock pot. You can go in there and go in the first five minutes. It's not ready. Yeah. It's not ready. It takes ready. Some time. It takes time. You know, we can't be microwave pump pumping and 30 <laughs> seconds, ding. You want to go grab your meal. Yeah. Pop-tart or whatever you put in the microwave. But you have that mentality. And again, it's all about the mindset. Build on that mindset of success. That you're hungry, stay hungry, you know, listen to people who have done it. I even, I, even for me, even now I'm older than most some, some people, and even the ones that are younger than me, I listen to the people that are younger than me because they're going through something that probably I have missed, and I can find something, find some nuggets and I apply it to myself. Yeah. So there's no age limit on success. Hmm. The kids who are 11 years old that made multi-million. What did they do? Yeah. The people who found success at 85, what did they do? Yeah. Find it. Add all these things together, and you build your perfect self to a success in life, man. That's amazing. That is
0: amazing. I wish I could just take that whole snippet. That's an episode in itself, that's man. An episode, bro. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's gonna go on a segment. I'm gonna call this "Life Lessons from a Millionaire." Like, that's, that's amazing,
1: good, man. I'm, I'm so happy you reached out to be on your podcast, man. And you I already know because I've been watching. Like, damn, man. I want to. I want to get on houses. <laughs> I want to get on your podcast. Yo.
0: It's amazing because you you mentioned like the networking and, and just the, anybody who made it this far in the podcast. Me and T were met in an argument. I don't even know if yo, you remember.
1: I, of course, I remember. No, yeah. yeah, bro. I was honest, man. I, I I come again. I come from a boarding school background. Yeah, we, we debate. We yeah, argue. exactly. <laughs> I argue. But yeah, the only thing I do respect about you is that despite the argument and the differences. We still find a common ground. I was like, yo, I apologize, man. I came a little yeah. rough. And yeah. then we connected. We and I connected. Was like, this bro is smart. Like, yo, he got some good stuff. So I've been watching <laughs> and keeping up with you. So when you hit me up, like, I already know who you are. Like, it's not like, yeah. you know, like you said, and because we also have the bond, you yeah. know, we're already tight. So I'm not like, yo, I don't know who he is. And, yep. and I've just been, I'm yet to buy a book. So I'm going to cop one so you can sign it for me. I got you. you. Read it. Um, but yo, I'm very proud of everything you've done. I'm just happy to you know being part of your success and um, uh, being part of this journey on your podcast and being uh, a, a gem and also value to you and your your listeners.
0: I appreciate that so much. I know everybody listening appreciates it. Man, T will works. Everybody go follow him
1: at T will works. That's works Instagram yep. ATL Green Picnic. I mean, you just find me. I'm on Fanbase. So Fanbase is coming out for all my yeah. creators. New app, you gotta be on it.
0: Fan base oh, look, I'm, I'm on it. I got you. Yo,
1: gotta get on fan base. You know, it's black owned. I'm an investor on fan base as well. So I'm always Oh, hold
0: in. up. We gotta get it. <laughs> we gotta get it.
1: <laughs> gotta get on fan base. You know, Isaac Hayes. Shout out to my boy Isaac Hayes. But yo, I'm um, yeah, Clubhouse, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Oh, yeah. Send me a DM. Don't feel like, oh, well, he doesn't know me. Shoot me a DM. Tell me you heard my uh, me on Miles' podcast. Let's connect. I'm all about networking, so let's get it.
0: Let's get it, man. Really appreciate you. For everybody listening, this is Millennials with the Mindset, the podcast where we tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I'm Miles the Millennial. This is T-What Works. And change your mind, change your life. We out. Peace.